Hey everyone, it's Ouch. Listen, it's tough out there for us content creators anymore. You just trying to put up your own video reviewing your stupid games? All of a sudden, copyright strike. Like, you know what's going on with any of this. Well, this is why I implore you, check out the Bass Rebels. They provide great, free, copyright-free music you can use in your videos, live streams, or what I do, your podcasts. They do a lot of dance music, a lot of chill vibe music. They do some heavy bass stuff, but it's really good. Check out the link in the description of this episode or go to bassrebels.co.uk for more info. Hello everyone, it is your buddy and your pal, Ouch, back again with what you've been playing, the video game review show here on the Ouchcast. I actually do not have an opening bit to go with, which is fine. Let's just get right into the reviews. Let's find out what I've been playing. Hit that music, please. As I get older, a lot of games no longer become my cup of tea. One of those kinds of games are those super difficult, take your time, get good scrub, punishment style games. Your Bloodborne, your Dark Souls, the roguelike genre, that bullshit. But in a weird turn of events, I have a blast with the fast-paced 2D or 2.5D offshoots. Stuff like Dead Cells, and that's it. It's really fun to see how far you can get or how strong your main guy can be. So I was really looking forward to Hades being released for the Xbox Game Pass, as I was hearing a lot of good things about it. And so far, I've been having a great time with it. This is fun as shit. Hades, if you couldn't tell, is set in Greek mythology with a dash of current day applications. There's no stories of Zeus just humping everything without consent, but I'm early in the game. You play as Zagreb, son of Hades, and you are basically sick of the underworld, so you try to escape hell and go hang out with all your gods slash cousins higher up. However, I don't know if you know this or not, but hell kinda sucks so it's really difficult to get out. Especially when dying means you have to restart all the way back home, thus giving you your play loop. Fight through hell as long as you can, then get sent back home when you don't make it. The game is shot, so to speak, from this high angle looking down, giving kind of a weird playing ground, complete with hard to see main character, but for some reason, it kind of works. All of the backgrounds have great detail in the set design, like the souls looking down at you while you hack and slash your way through levels, to small sets of like lava arms coming up from below. It's a lot of little stuff, but it's packed in. The art design is certainly comic book inspired, with each character getting a very well done and unique look to an old idea. And I do love the voice acting and writing for the blips of other characters you see throughout your journey. With no visual clues, 
If you were to listen to just the spoken parts, you could probably tell, oh hey Hermes, what's going on? It's really well done to make a really pretty game. The gameplay itself is a great fast-paced hack and slash experience, very close to a Streets of Rage or Final Fight, running around through randomized stages and enemy placements. I do think they kept the fighting a little simple, so it became a lot easier to master than maybe other games in the genre. You have a basic attack, a special attack, a dash, and a shot button, I guess? The game calls it a call, but it's somewhat ill-fitting, and I really did not use it to the fullest potential. You fight through these dungeons, earning the usual things for these kind of games. Coins, XP to level up, XP for renovations back home, keys to unlock more weapons and abilities, you get the idea. But the big help comes from the boons granted by the Olympians, which will give an extra characteristic to your attacks and whatnot. Things like lightning for Zeus, water for Poseidon, and getting crunk for Dionysus. It's a fun system to try and get all the available powers from each god, because they have a ton, apparently. As well as all the Olympians having great character to their conversations, the underworld inhabitants have it as well, albeit more so in a tense office situation kind of way. Every reset back into the House of Hades gives you a new conversation between some of the mainstays, which each talk having and adding a little more to their full lore and backstory. It is fun to see the intricacies between the relationships of everyone, with a lot of people basically going, not my job, for the most part, with Hades being stuck behind a desk doing paperwork most of the time. It's basically the reason why Zagreb never gets in trouble with running away every time, because people always shovel the responsibility onto someone else. It's a fun little side thing that makes losing not so bad. Speaking of losing, if there is one thing that is just heartbreaking in the game, it's going on the furthest run you've ever played in the game and then losing on some weird technicality. Granted, the whole point of the game is playing it over and over, getting stronger little by little, so it is more emotional than it is an actual flaw with the game. Plus, I feel like the improvement system here is a lot easier to keep adding on to if you go in telling yourself you're only going for XP or keys or jewels or whatnot. If you make a farming run for one tool at a time, it gives you a little bit of focus and a goal to shoot for. I gotta tell you man, I wish I actually had more to complain about, but this is a very good, very fun game. It's really polished, it's well written, it's a rewarding experience that is hard to put down. Now, by no means am I ever going to unlock enough weapons or boost my health enough to ever actually finish this, but this is a real thrill of victory, agony of defeat kind of thing that balances the slow trickle of improvements at a very fair pace. By all means, give this game a shot, it's a very good time. I'm going 8.5 out of 10.
There is something about a quirky game that I just love. An underground favorite with a gameplay style that hasn't been replicated by any other game. It's like a book that you like that no one else has ever heard of. For me, there's only one series that takes the throne of the goofy gameplay like the Katamari Damacy series. In this instance, we're looking at Katamari Damacy Reroll, the HD remaster of the original game on Xbox One. Now, there's probably going to be some age on this for sure, but does this idea stand up to the test of time? Visually, everything is fine, but it's certainly a mixed bag, if not contrary to the setup. These are fairly simple graphics, kind of mixing chibi style with boring. It's not really necessary to give it a full HD upgrade. Plain colors, smooth edges, not a whole lot of textures, so there's not a whole lot of upgrading to do. The level designs are fun. Imagine someone's house, street, an entire world covered in crap to roll up, and you can kind of get away with a lot of stuff. Although I did have a little bit of trouble whenever I would get stuck. I'd be wedged in between the wall and something I couldn't quite roll up, and the game would be acting like I'm hitting something the entire time. So huge chunks of the Katamari would be flying out and I'm losing precious size. Something about this upgrade must have really made things a lot rougher on the hitbox technicality side. But ooh, the soundtrack is why you play this game. For me, this is absolute warm, cozy nostalgia, as there is not a bad song on this soundtrack. Go to YouTube, find the full OST, and it's just a pleasant trip. My personal favorite from this game is The Moon and the Prince, as that artist appeared in the next game and did my favorite song from the entire series, Disco Prince, which is so damn good. The sound effects for the actual game are fine. You roll up a cat, it meows. Fairly simple. The gameplay itself is that perfect system of easy to learn, easy to master. There's not a lot of difficulty here. You start with a small ball, and you have to roll up as much stuff into it as you can. The beginning has you rolling up thumbtacks and small candies as you work your way up to rolling cars, buildings, islands, you get the idea. It keeps it simple, with half the stages being about gathering up everything, and the other half having specific goals like rolling up as many fish as you can along those lines. This is a load of barnacles. It's a fine system, but it really favors the stick layout of the PlayStation controller. You know, the oddball positions of the Xbox controller or the Switch Joy-Cons has a little bit to be desire desired when it comes to precision and direction, but it still gets the job done. The length of the game is split between just right and maybe a little short, with about 20 stages, varying in goals and scale. 
you'll spend somewhere between 3 and 20 minutes of playtime on each stage. The one thing that doesn't quite stand up anymore is the fact that its replayability is based on the arcade style of getting the highest score. That's fine for the PlayStation 2 era, but here in Xbox One land, you get the trophy for finishing the stage, no matter how good or bad you do, and you never feel the need to go back and replay that stage ever again. The best example are the stages where you only have to roll up the biggest of one thing. Think Taurus the Bull or Ursa Major the Bear. The stage may give you 11 minutes to get the biggest bull, but if you run over the smallest of calves, mission done, the trophy is popped. Kinda kills any reason to go back to it. This is a standout in the game world, mostly because no one else has done the rolling stuff up genre of games. There is that joy of progression from getting bigger and bigger, a being able to roll up cars and people. But the layout in certain stages also have a lot of character to it. You'll see bears surrounding campers, musicians playing on top of raging elephants, giant octopus are all over ships. They get a little goofy with it, which I enjoy. However, the only real character you interact with, the king of all cosmos, really doesn't go full over the top until the next game. Honestly, what he says before each stage doesn't really change that much. It's the same lines up of, Roll a katamari this big, ridiculous prince. Change that adjective a handful of times, and that's all he really says. Overall, there is a fun experience here if you have never played the original series or missed out on the sequels in later generations. But if you've played the original on release, there's really nothing here but a carbon copy of your childhood. It's a thing where people really wanted remakes, but then they realized, oh, it was a sequel or two later when it became fun and memorable. That's kind of how I think that the Saints Row 3 remastered happened. 3 is fine, but Saints Row 4 is where the really ridiculous stuff happened. Why am I talking about Saints Row in this review? I don't know. But anyways, for Katamari Damacy re-roll, it's an okay 6 out of 10. Another great series I've been into is the Yakuza series. There's something about the dramatic tone, the fun combat, and all the enjoyable side quests and mini-games that make each entry stand out in some way. The only problem tends to be the blending of each game, making it hard to remember which game had which side quest. It's hard to tell each apart when there's not enough of a differentiation between each sequel. Also, the length of time each game takes can take a toll on your sanity. I remember finishing up Yakuza 0, just skipping all of the end cutscenes, yelling at the TV, end, end. But for this episode, we're looking at Yakuza Kiwami, the remake of the original Yakuza on PlayStation 2, now on the PlayStation 4. I'm not sure why I jumped back into this one, but it is sort of like falling off of a bike. You put it away for a couple of years and then bring it back out and you can still basically do it. 
By now, this is under the PlayStation Hits label, so if you're interested in a deep crime drama beat-em-up with a dash of wackiness, this will be the best place to start. When it comes to the aesthetics of this game, it's fine. The city of Camarocho looks realistic. The details of the sound design come through, especially when standing outside of a bar, yet hearing everything going on inside. It's completely acceptable, but I can basically say this section for every single game in the series. You have the basic concepts of an open world game, like a Grand Theft Auto or a Red Dead Redemption, but there are little differences between this and the more Western developed games. For example, there are no markers for side quests, you just happen to literally stumble into them. It'll give you the option to come back later, but if you're here now and you're interrupting me, you just end up doing it to get it out of the way. And with the sheer number of side quests, there's no stopping how many people you have to help while helping out someone. Now, if you are a veteran of the Yakuza series, you may have the idea that all the side quests are where the oddball humor and goofiness of the game kind of shines through. For example, in the latest entry, Yakuza Like a Dragon, there is a mini-boss fighting a Roomba the size of an SUV. However, a lot of that is lacking here in Kiwami. Remember, this is based on the first entry, so a lot of those ideas don't come in until later in the series. However, where most of the goofiness has been placed is in the Majima Everywhere storyline. Remember, this game was made after the release of Yakuza 0, so they had all these new assets where it must have been really easy for them to just drag and drop into this new old game. Specifically for this storyline, Goro Majima, the other playable character from Yakuza 0, is basically wandering around town waiting for you to cross his path and immediately starts fighting with you. You have the usual walking around town, but he'll also pop up from the sewers, be disguised as a policeman, look like a zombie, trying out a new lifestyle as a hostess, it's all over the place. The nice thing about these fights is that it loads you up on experience really quickly, which makes leveling up a breeze. Speaking of leveling up, the game makes it a more than fair, simple system to improve Kiryu's stats and moves. The only thing is that, since most of the skills are spread out across the three returning fight styles from Yakuza 0, you end up forgetting how to do most of them or what all each style can do. Once you get the right moves unlocked and the best equipment, you'll end up flying through most fights. It's a little mindless, but sometimes that's all you want. While I like the simple combat, the negatives kinda affect everything else. First, there really isn't a whole lot of new ideas here, which is probably just due to having access to all the newer sequels and games further ahead in the console's life cycle. But they basically have you redo the Pocket Racer storyline from Yakuza 0 here in Kiwami. Nothing wrong with it, but you do wonder why. Second, you end up pining for later series games, mostly due to the fact that these games open up the city more so. 
You wouldn't think simple things like walking into a convenience store without a loading screen popping up would be taken for granted, but with how many closed buildings there are and absolutely nothing you can do with them, you kinda have no choice but to try and burn through this game as fast as you can. Finally, I feel that this story is the weakest, even with giving it the benefit of the doubt that it was the first one. It feels like it has a lot of filler chapters where it focuses on the side characters helping cure you out, and then hops kind of back into the main storyline. There are also chapters that just bring in brand new characters you've never heard of, but the game makes it a big deal out of them. Even in gameplay terms, there's a chapter that just completely shifts the game into a time crisis style arcade first person shooter. These are all interesting choices, but they do stand out as oddballs in the storytelling. Overall, I think Yakuza Kiwami is a more than fair way to bring in the beginning of the series to the new console generation. The storyline is gripping and dramatic when it needs to be, or goofy and over the top when it comes to something new. The combat can be as simple or as deep as you make it to be, but you're not gonna have a super detailed cityscape like a Grand Theft Auto sized city or anything like that. For 20 bucks or less, I do recommend it with the understanding you're going to have a lot of stop and go game sessions with this one, but you will get your money's worth. Numbers rating, I'll go 7.5 out of 10. And that is this time's episode. Thank you for listening, everyone. Every play is progress. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at just ouch, capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H, or send me an email, ouch64 at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can find this show on many, many podcast sites. All you have to do is search The Ouchcast and anchor.fm slash ouch. Until next time, everybody, we will see you then. Bye-bye.